Hello and welcome back to the Nightlight Podcast. Uh, you're with with Stefan and uh, recording straight out of uh, Nightlamp headquarters without uh, my good friend Adela Holmes, who is away at the moment. Um, but I have invited onto our show a good friend of mine, Aidan. Uh, how are you going, Aidan? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good to Good to be here. Thanks so much for coming, and I know that we've talked about doing this in the past, and we finally got around to doing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Aidan and I have known each other for a few years now. Maybe almost 10 years now. Almost 10 years. Yep. And, well, when I met you, you were just a kid. Yeah. Uh, and I can't believe that here we are sitting down to adults and well well and truly now how old are you now uh just turned 24 okay well i'll give our listeners a little bit of context yep um i first met aiden um when i was uh working at hurstbridge farm which was a therapeutic residential care program um originally um written um the the program itself was written by adela who was managing the program at the time, um, and Adela actually employed me as a client care manager. Um, and at the time, Aidan was just a 14-year-old? Yeah, I think I was 14. Yeah? Just turned 14. I think oh, I, I, entered, for a few months, yeah. Yeah, I entered the farm when I had just turned 14. Right. Yeah, right. so just over 14 when we, we, we uh-huh. met. Uh-huh. And I was... I was actually taking over from Cindy, yeah. who was in the role before me. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, you you weren't too happy about that. No, not at all. I remember, um, <laughs> yeah, I remember writing a, a good, goodbye card to her and saying that the next person definitely had uh, big shoes to fill. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Cindy's definitely a good person, and I could see that she had big shoes to fill. <laughs> actually, do you remember the very first? moment that you and I met? Ah, I think so, yeah. Um, I remember I was riding around the farm on my BMX bike. Yeah, that's and, it. <laughs> and I rode down the hill towards the, what was the, called the program centre, which is like a big building that um, kids learn to do school and have meetings and stuff in. Anyway, I headed down on my BMX and I saw this funny looking guy and, uh, and, I was and, hi- and me, was I with the funny-looking guy? No, I think you were the funny-looking guy. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I was pretty hyped up on coffee. I think I'd had something ridiculous, like four coffees. And Yes, you were. Yeah. You were bouncing, like you were literally bouncing. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, my God, who's this kid? Like, <laughs> you were, I remember you being extremely likeable. You had this kind of long matted hair, like just wild <laughs> reddish sort of hair. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. You, hair's not even slightly reddish anymore, is it? No, I think it was all the sunshine. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know what it was, but you were on. You were standing on your bike, and you were bouncing up and down, <laughs> and you were going, oh, "I've just had heaps and heaps and heaps of coffee." <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and I remember. I remember saying, "I'm not usually like this." Yeah. <laughs> I remember that well too. Um, and at the start, then the 
more times you saw me at the beginning, you just didn't like me at all because I was replacing Cindy, I think. Yeah. Did I, like, say anything? Um, no, because you refused to speak to me. Okay, so that's... So yeah. what you did is you spoke to Cindy Yeah. while she was showing me around. <laughs> or you talk to other people like instead of, instead of talking to me instead of being rude to me you actually looked at Sydney and you just went can you tell him just to fuck off <laughs> <laughs> yep 14 year old teenager <laughs> yeah yeah and boy was I in for a treat for our <laughs> next couple of years after yeah. that <laughs> now I um, you were um, one of a handful of kids that actually had gone into Hurstbridge Farm. Yep. Um, and Hurstbridge Farm was the first time, I believe, in the country that anyone had attempted to do trauma-informed therapeutic care. And yeah. we were kind of guessing our way through how all this works and yeah. how do we apply this theory. But uh, actually, do you mind, if, you, if you don't mind, Aidan, do you mind talking a little bit about your experience in care, a little bit about your story that led to that moment to you telling me yep. about all the coffees you'd had? <laughs> like, you know, it, the, the main bits that led to that, yep. like right at the beginning, like, you know, when people talk about going into care, yep. it really means that the state has decided that they're going to be the parent in a way. Yeah. Okay, so I first entered the care system when I was about 10 weeks old and um, I moved around a lot until I was for, like in residential units, yeah. uh, which is like a, a house that the department sets up for kids who can't live at home. Yeah. And um, so I was moved, moved a lot between those houses and eventually – Ended up at the farm. You had a lot of placements in those resi, residential. I, I call it resi because that's what we call it once we had crusty. Yeah, that's the lingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a shame that there is a lingo. Yeah. But, um, so you lived in loads and loads of placements. But one of the first things I learned about you when yeah. I first worked at the farm was that you had had loads of different places that you had lived in. Yeah, I think um, it was at about, I'd been moved about 70 times Yeah. Uh, by the time I was about 16. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is phenomenal. Which yeah. Is enormous. Uh, and very destabilizing. Yeah, I definitely. Imagine. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of became well, a constant to be moving around. So that's all I, all I kind of knew was that instability of being shifted from house to house. One of the things when we talk about how someone's traumatised in childhood, one of the compounded traumas is that it becomes the familiar state. Like the most familiar thing for you is to be unstable. Yeah. And so then any time you are stable, that must feel... Weird. I don't know if it still does now, but yeah, it's it's getting it's getting better. I can yeah. I can stay in one place for longer stretches of time, mm. um, but I do kind of sometimes go into that like, when am I going to move? This yeah. feels weird to be in the same space. Yeah, 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 yeah. I bet 
because for most people, it's familiar to be in the same place. Yeah. And it's unfamiliar to be unstable. Yeah, you know? definitely. Um, you you were then referred into this kind of new program. Yeah. Do you remember? And I know it's a long time ago, and you're just <laughs> a kid. Like you were just this, you know, just this uh, kid with a cup of coffee on that day. <laughs> but, um, that farm the the farm program was specifically for kids who who were identified as being quite traumatised yep. by their very early experiences. Yeah. And so, obviously, you were identified for that reason. And, yeah. You know, I know stuff about you, and I think perhaps, yeah, this was a pretty traumatised kid when I met Yeah. Um, and um, what, what was the first thing that you recall about hearing about the farm and that you might go there? What did that mean for you? Um, I think, uh, I think Adela had come out or someone had told me that this lady was going to come out and talk to me about this new house yeah. up in the country. Yeah. And then it was new, no one had lived there before. Um, and that it was, yeah, that's kind of all I knew. This lady was going to come talk to me. Yeah. And then she came? Yeah, then she came out and she told me a little bit about how the farm was going to be a stable spot for me to be and there were going to be carers that knew about trauma and, um, yeah, that's kind of what my understanding was. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed lots of people now, there are still loads of people that, that work in this field that don't quite understand the difference between what we now call therapeutic care or like trauma-informed care and what we call just residential care. Yeah. And I, I know the differences in terms of the ideas and how it all works and is put together. But yeah. What were the differences that you experienced? Like what was your experience of it in terms of what was different for you? Yeah. So in in my time in residential care for the farm, a lot of my interactions with the workers were um, like they were kind of reacting to the behaviours I had um, in a punitive way. They're kind of giving punishments or um, they, they kind of had no understanding where that was coming from. Uh, whereas when I got to the farm, it was more the carers would look at look at the behaviour and see, okay, this kid is obviously trying to say something uh, and instead of giving me a punishment, they would kind of try and figure out what was actually going on. Yeah. So, you, and you've experienced that. You felt like, what, what was your feeling when at first they weren't punishing you for those things? Um, I... I think that just it was very strange. I was kind of like waiting for, waiting for that reaction. I was kind of thinking, how long is this going to last for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you tested it a few times. Yeah, maybe once or twice. <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I <laughs> when well, I mean, when I look back on your your behaviour, a lot of your behaviour, 
that the difficult behaviour, when I say behaviour, like a lot of the difficult behaviour was really difficult. Yeah. Right? But we understood that this was happening because you were so really deeply wounded by your earlier experiences. Yeah. Right? So we kind of try to understand that. Yeah. Um, but I think that you pushed, you were almost, what I experienced from you, once we developed a relationship where you trusted me, yeah, I always, time and time again, I felt like I was experiencing trying, it's almost like you were pushing me into a place where I, I didn't like you or yeah. I, yeah. I pushed you away or I said, that's it, I've had enough or yeah. wanted to punish you or get angry. Yeah. <laughs> And you escalated that. Yep. Um, and somehow, it, you know, I managed to not go there. Yeah, because you, you understood that it wasn't yeah. it wasn't me. I, I didn't actually want you to go away. I yeah. didn't want like to push you away or um, get you know have that reaction. It was more to do with something that was going on internally. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that. This is the reason I mention it is because for me now, as a person who consults and, and, and helps people who work in residential care, yeah, this is one of the main messages that I try and get across, even teachers in schools, that kids might try as they begin to heal, they might try unconsciously because I don't think they know, I don't think you knew you were doing that. No, right? no, you don't know you're doing that, but it's like that discomfort with stability and care and, and being in a loving environment. Yeah. I think um, leads to what it feels like a personal attack. Yeah. And it feels like the kind of behaviour where people say, well, I wouldn't accept that from my child and I'm not accepting yeah. it from this child, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's really good to have you here to to talk about it from your perspective because one of the main things a lot of people struggle with is not taking that stuff personally because I don't, it's not really about them anyway. No, it's not. Um, I think, yeah, I, I've seen time and time again a lot of workers kind of take that on board as a personal attack. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's like definitely not coming from that place. I don't think kids realise what they're doing. It's definitely not a conscious conscious thing not a choice no yeah even if it looks intentional yeah exactly um and i think that um, everything will change once we realize that as a system system wide yeah you know yep that we realize it's not personal it's yeah not actually about you it's because you're giving them a different version of themselves yeah <laughs> i think um I think a good a good quote I've been I've been hearing a lot from from my teachers at the moment is all behavior is communication and looking at this stuff even though it kind of hurts to to be pushed away and stuff to, to kind of take a step back and look at it as what is this kid trying to say um and in my role as a youth worker what can I do about that to help this kid heal yeah yeah, yeah. I think what's really important to gauge is that this, it feels like an attack you're getting from kids. And sometimes it's an actual attack. Like, I'm yeah. worried with kids and they're actually attacking you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, you know, that happens too. 
And yeah. I don't think that there was ever a time where you actually attacked me. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember of a single time. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I, I, re, I do recall a few times, though, where you kind of a, attacked me in a roundabout way. Yeah. Right? I mean, I remember, if you remember once when my office windows had been smashed and there was spray painted on the outside of the building, some, I don't know, die, Stefan, die or something or, you know, and I'm, I was really mystified where that came from. And I actually think that you were mystified by that as well. I don't think you really knew what that was about either. Yeah, I don't actually remember that. Sorry. There you go. Yeah. And I think the fact that these things happen largely when someone who's traumatised is usually dissociated yeah. when these things are happening. The fact that I would say to you that you spray-painted, you got a spray can and spray-painted stuff all inside and outside my office. Yeah. And eventually we actually cleaned it up together. Yeah. You'll, you'll probably have a hard time recalling that. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I don't remember that. And... Um, most people would say, "Well, that's it, because he's he's gone and done all this vandalism. Yeah, now he should be punished mm. for it, so that he doesn't do it again." Yeah, um, but actually, I didn't do that because I knew you were dissociated and weren't thinking, and even now you're having a hard time remembering. It, yeah, right. So the next day, I actually said to you, you know. Would you like to clean that up and and paint over it and mm. stuff? And you you were just a little fourteen year old trying to you know trying to understand yourself in the world. And yeah. you said back to me some things that I won't repeat now. Yeah. Meaning you probably weren't willing to do those. Yeah. Things, right? yeah. <laughs> so what I said to you instead was, "Hey, I'm going to pick you up from school." Yeah, and on the way back, I'm going to pick up some paint and some things that I need to clean that up. Yeah, and you said, "Well, I'm not doing that," <laughs> and I said, "That's fine. I just need it so I can clean it up." Yeah, I don't mind if you don't clean it up, and I think you were still really mystified as to yeah. why I wasn't making you do it. Yeah. Um. And then I picked you up after school, and you said, "I want to help." Yeah. And then when we started doing it, you told me to go away because you wanted to do it by yourself. Yeah, I wanted to take on that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. But I think taking on that responsibility is different to me if I had been punishing you for Yeah, it. definitely. I, I think it's a fine line. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you've, in one way you have to be accountable for your actions, but are you actually accountable when you're dissociated and wounded and trying to understand what's happening to yourself. Yeah. There must be so many things that I remember that you don't remember. Yeah, I, I just like I have not a lot of memory of of much of you know, much of my childhood. I think because I spent so much time dissociated. I think dissociation is so difficult for people to comprehend. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's um. They don't quite understand. They see it as either someone has to be blacked out having hallucinations yeah. or not. And yeah. I think they don't realise that dissociation is on a continuum, that you can still be 
functioning and then not quite retain and integrate memory and be, yeah. be fully present. Yeah. And it can also be like a bodily thing as well, not just uh, like um, you can be d- dissociated in like a mental way where you kind of aren't really there, but you can also be dissociated in your body and not really kind of have access to to movement or, um, yeah. Yeah, and I imagine, because I know how trauma works and how long it takes to heal, you've healed and you've changed a lot. Like right now it feels like, you, I mean, you're a different person. I'm, I'm talking, I feel like I'm talking to a mate now. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and we're talking about someone else, like we're talking about this kid in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah. And it must feel like that. Yeah. For you too. So, so much has changed and I think um, I've kind of done so much work that I'm, I I am pretty much a different person to, to what I was back then. I mean, you are different. I mean, right now, look at you doing tertiary studies at the moment. Yeah. And uh, you're completing some. Yeah, I think um, seven weeks now. Um, in uh, disability services as a disability support worker. Yeah, and that's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, you, you're such a compassionate and empathic, clever person, you know, and I think that's very suited for you. Yeah. Hey, can I ask you a couple of other questions? You know, I realise I could just make up stories about you right now and just tell you that you can't remember them. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna, hey, by the way, there was this one time, remember how you owed me 50? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't remember that one. <laughs> um, can you recall back that change? I'm really interested for people to understand how someone experiences the difference between trauma-informed therapeutic care yeah. and non-trauma-informed therapeutic care or just basic residential care because... I think there are some people out there who are cynical about does it really do kids actually get better? Do people yeah. actually get better? Yeah. And I think that the fact that you're sitting here talking to me, you know, in this way, that you're a testament to not only the program, mostly yourself and the amount of courage and tenacity it takes to do that kind of healing. Like, yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, and that I know that you can keep that. That's a lifelong journey. Yeah. But what were the bits about therapeutic care, in particular, that you, looking back now, that you think might have helped? How did you experience it yeah. differently? Yeah. So I think the thing that stands out for me the most is, um, when I went into ther- like the therapeutic care at the farm, it was more based on relationships and building long-term um yeah relationships that weren't based on me being punished for things like my behavior uh it was more based on healing and understanding um and also that i was just given given a lot of chances to to heal um instead of yeah, just being punished for for my trauma. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You talk about establishing relationships with workers. Yeah. I mean, for for me, I you know, when you go to social work school, there 
one of the things that comes across is like to have your professional boundaries at all times. Yeah. To to have this um, boundary between you and the client. Yeah. You call them something like a client, mm. right? And you you have this kind of um, this wall where the relationship, the personal relational stuff is minimal, and yet what what we were doing was based on allowing you and the other kids to develop attachments with yeah. us, which was this was one of the main differences. Yeah. Um, and some people are afraid of that. They say, "Well, if you if you allow relationships and attachments, then that's just going to hurt them when you move on again." Yeah. Um, but that's kind of you know, if if a kid doesn't get access to a relationship, yeah, uh, how are they going to learn to ever have a friendship or relationship? Yeah, exactly. Um, as as a as a worker in say a residential unit, um, therapeutic or not, you are an adult, um, kind of taking in ways a role of a parent. Um, and if you're not building a relationship with a child, um, in the role that a parent would, yeah, just kind of it's very very depriving. Yeah, it is. I I think that workers do need to be very careful that they don't become so drawn in that they're not able to do the work. Yeah. Right? But I think at the same time we have to allow children to know how to develop relationships yeah. and to know what yeah. it is to be dependent on someone. Yeah. Um, and and to give that kind of insight into what a healthy relationship is um, as opposed to um, the worker-client relationship that is very one-sided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I found I found over the years that um, because I've I've experienced pretty much all my relationships to be from from a worker client, it's really difficult for me to ask questions of my friends like how are you going, and for me to kind of um, have that two sided relationship. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. And I think that's in, that's an important thing that um, kids, yeah, need to, need to be exposed to those, yeah, like normal relationships. Yeah, normal relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. because I and I find it interesting because I've always thought that what we have to be aware of is that a kid in care doesn't actually care who's casual, who's full time, who's a manager, who's not. They just want to care who's there for them and yep. who cares and who doesn't. Right? Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that can be really tricky. One of the, uh, here's something else that comes to mind. Um, one of the other, you know, issues that happen is that when people, when kids, you know, build attachments with workers and then workers move on, that sometimes, you know, they'll, they'll contact Another worker, you know, they, yeah. they've, got, they've got to navigate through that. Look, I'll, 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 you know, I want to talk about this part too because this was an interesting thing that happened in our relationship. Yeah, right. Um, where I left working in the firm. Yeah. And then there was one point where you actually ran away from the firm because of some difficulties, and you ran away and you came to me. Okay. To where I was working. Yeah. Uh, you're having a really difficult time, um, and we 
needed lots of help and I sort of became involved. But yeah. I found that even though I contacted um, departmental people, um, you know, in relation to you, and told them where you were and what yeah. I was doing, but immediately what I got was suspicion about yeah. why would I want to be involved with the kid. And I said, no, yeah. no, hang on, you don't understand. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think, for mine, I think it's really important that we should be suspicious of any adult wanting to be involved with with a kid on yeah. one way, right? Yeah. We've got to keep kids safe. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's a given. Yeah. But I had been the manager in the program or a manager in the program yeah. that you were involved in came to me and I, I wanted to not just brush you away. Yeah. Right? Yep. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and so I found it really, I found that so tricky. For me, professionally and personally, that was really tricky because suddenly people were, instead of saying, right, what can we do or what's your suggestion? Yeah. They actually wanted to grill me on why are you involved and yep. why, why is Aiden coming to you? Yeah. Which is... Kind of, which is very, very strange and kind of new, I guess, for the system, even new for me. So yeah. Um, but it was just an off-topic kind of comment from me about that. I think that that's something we're still to get right. Yeah, definitely that balance between yeah. um, being protective and also um, offering offering real-world support, ongoing support. Yes, that's right. How do we do that? How do we protect? professionals yep to um, to ensure that they can continue contact with specific i guess you call them selective attachments that they've made that the kids have made yeah um i i I think that's one that we haven't resolved yet yeah you know for me that you know as a person in that field yeah well i think it's 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 very individual. It's it's it would be different on every single relationship. So yeah. there would never be an across the board. Yeah, no way to approach not, it. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. And like I said, it's really important that we protect kids. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's the first priority. <laughs> you know, and and I'm probably one of the most suspicious people when yeah. someone, when a professional wants to be overly involved, or when someone else wants to be involved. Yeah, I I I get pretty suspicious, and I start to want to take action on it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's because I'm just protective. Yeah. Um, do you know it's funny what we you know we're talking about how difficult it was, and you know difficult behaviours and things like that. But actually, I also remember lots of really good times with you and with the other kids in that program. And yeah. And I think that there are lots of really good experiences that there are between sort of workers in that field and with kids. Like yeah. healthy relationships and really fun times and funny things that happen and, and yeah. having a laugh. And I think that there was lots of times when I don't know that I, I know that I enjoy, I really enjoyed my work all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. Regardless. Yeah, well, there's always something going on. Some, you know, people running around and trying to. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty colourful. Yeah, definitely. That's a pretty colourful. That's a word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that also can be really pleasant. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, a lot of us on the farm were just very, very cheeky. Always kind of trying to, trying to get up to a little bit of mischief. 
not necessarily like up to trouble, but just kind of, yeah, just being kids. I think and that was that was a, one of the really good things about being at the farm. Yeah. 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 Actually, we talked about that before because yeah. you and I um, were thinking about the farm earlier and, and how young you all were and, and, and how childlike. Yeah. And, and um, how you sort of, um, I think, the way that Adela especially used to talk about it and want to set it up was that we were creating an opportunity for children to be children. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, kids who have had to survive and, you know, Rambo it out there on the street <laughs> station who have an opportunity to actually be kids. Yeah. And through through interacting with the animals and um, doing that kind of day-to-day stuff, you, you guys kind of facilitated us um, getting out there and having access to, like, bikes and, and stuff like that where we actually got a chance to to be kids rather than than the usual, which was um, kind of taking on the role of adults and parenting ourselves. Which is how things were before that. Yeah. What do you think, you know, one of the big arguments that happens about funding, like, well, we need funding for therapeutic care. Yeah. And that residential care doesn't get enough funding. But... What would be, if you were going to give advice yeah. to residential care, <laughs> what would be the advice that you would give to make things better that actually wouldn't cost them anything? I know people are going to hate me for saying that, but, you know, what what would be, what are some of the things that people should think about, at least, that wouldn't necessarily cost them much more? I think, um, as, I, as I said before, just thinking about... Um, behavior as being communication and trying to like really understand what kids are saying through their behavior yeah yeah so how we think about kids yeah definitely that, that doesn't cost anything no no it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't cost anything at all just how we think about stuff i guess that's the main thing that i guess at night lab that Adela and I had always, and the, the rest of us are, what's at the forefront of our work is training and consulting and yeah. showing people how to think differently about yeah. what kids are doing and saying. Yeah. Well, that's probably been a good discussion up until now. Yep. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind that you'd like to talk about? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, do you know what? We can do this again. Yeah, oh, I'd love to. I I actually would like to do this again. Yeah. And I'm going to um, propose to our listeners through Facebook and stuff, I'm going to propose that perhaps that they ask us some questions. Yeah, that'd be great. And that um, the next time you and I get together, that we could um, re- you know respond to some of those questions and you could respond to some of those questions. Yeah. Now, also, Aidan, I know that um, you know people could get in touch with us if they're interested in having you available for any speaking appointments and perhaps for small groups. Yeah, definitely. And I know that that's something that you've been doing and that's been really successful. People to hear your perspective. Yeah. Well, thank you very much <coughs> for um, for coming again, Aidan. Um, 
We'll see you next time. For all our listeners out there, uh, you can find us on nightlamp.org. I have to do a little bit of plugging here. Um, Nightlamp is a consultancy. We focus on um, on training, on uh, development of therapeutic care models, um, on secondary consultation. Uh, we work with schools and, and service providers. Um, and you can find us on Facebook um, as as well. And catch you next time. Yeah, see ya. See ya. <laughs>